This is The Visible Hand, a podcast about organizations, economics, and management. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal, and I am an associate professor at the Department of Management, London School of Economics. My guest today is Morten Benetzen, who is the Andre and Rosalie Hoffman Chair Professor at INSEAD and the Niels Bohr Professor in Economics at the University of Copenhagen. Today, we are going to talk about his paper, Do CEOs Matter? Evidence from Hospitalization Events, which is co-authored with Francisco Perez Gonzalez and Daniel Wolfenson, and was published at the Journal of Finance in 2020. Hello, Morten. Welcome to the program. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Morten, I would like to start by justifying the question of the paper, not for a researcher in economics or, or finance, but instead for a lay person. Uh, the paper is Do CEOs Matter? A regular person will look at the business environment, see that CEOs are the final decision makers and hold the ultimate authority in companies and conclude that they obviously have to matter. Why do we need not just your paper, but a whole literature in financial economics studying this question? That's a very good question. Uh, and, and I completely agree with you, but there is a paradox. I mean, if we read Financial Times, if we read any business papers, we know there are superstars out there. We know Steve Jobs in, in the US, he was a superstar. We know Lee Ka-shing in China is a superstar. We know Ratun Tata in India is a superstar. And everybody agrees that these guys make tremendous value to their companies. Now, as a researcher, of course, you know, when everybody agrees on that, it's interesting to ask, but how do we actually measure it? And it is a little bit of a puzzle in my view, because if we start to think about economics 101, if we start to think about the very first economics we learned when we went to university or even in high school, there's nothing about the matter of CEOs or the value of CEOs. I mean, if we go back in the literature and look at the neoclassical models of uh, economics, it's basically a black box. I mean, there's a production function, there's an input of labor, there's an input of capital, there's technology, there's no CEOs, there's no leaders. If we go kind of to the more modern economics and, and look at what we call the agency approach. You know, people like um, the Agaloff and Spence and Stiglitz and these guys who got the Nobel Prize. There's no CEOs. Or there is a CEO but it's all about incentives. It's all about that we provide this person with the right incentives and then we can predict everything that happens afterwards. There's no role of different CEOs. Personal characteristics, uh, how CEOs are, don't matter in a lot of these economic models. So on one side, the real world knows that they matter. On the other side, it's actually not that many years that people start to think about what do leaders do, what do CEOs do, in, in at least in economics. Of course, we go to management or, or leadership in, in business schools. These beams have been around longer. So economic literature started probably 15 years ago or something saying, you know, if this is true that they matter, how do we actually show that CEOs matters? And that is not that easy. And that's why I built a whole literature. I like to use kind of the analogy that you have a, take a horse race. I mean, that's a very simple way to understand it, I think. And, and we have a jockey and we have a horse and they together win races. And we want to understand, you know, does the jockey matter? How do we measure the value of a jockey in a horse race? Obviously, the victory comes from the jockey, comes from the horse, comes from putting these two together in the circumstances. And it's really much the same when we talk about organizations. I mean, how do we 
measure the individual contribution of one person to a firm's outcome. And that is the research question for, for us in economics. Just because Microsoft is doing fantastic, is it then the CEOs that actually adds value? Just because Apple did fantastic when Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was there, is that Steve Jobs that actually caused that effect? Or Apple is doing pretty well after he left or after he, he, he passed away. So, you know, how do we actually identify the, the contribution of one person to an entire organization? And that's that's what started our research, but we were obviously not the first to think about this, but it started the whole literature, I think, on what we call do CEO matters. I see three things there in, in what you answer. Uh, number one, it may be obvious for the person in, in the street, but economics economists like to think about first principles and the very first principles do not include it. Now we're expanding the way that we think about firms and organizations. So it's important to incorporate the role of the CEO. But then you said two additional things that are obviously going to be very related to the paper that you have. Number one, well, they may matter, but we want to know how much they matter. In other words, the size of the effect is important. The person in the street will not be able to tell you that they matter by 13.34%. But we may be able, or at least we may approximate some answer to that. And the third thing that you said is the person in the scene may be looking at correlations, but we know that correlations don't imply causality. So we want to validate the intuition of some lay person. Okay, so we have a literature that typically studies the differences in corporate performance that arise when a CEO is substituted by a different CEO. This is not what, strictly speaking, what you do in the paper, but broadly speaking, this is what has been the focus of the earlier literature. Could you summarize what is the empirical methodology that that broader earlier literature uses what are the overall findings? How has the methodology been criticized before your paper? So first of all, let me acknowledge that before we economists get, got into this, I mean, obviously there have been studies in management and leadership decades ago and, and the very, very early literature activity just you know looked at a CEO coming into a company and how did the company do afterwards? Um, so you can say the challenge, as you say with that, is that has been purely coalition focused. We don't know why the CEO comes in. We don't know if there are factors that kind of drive both the CEO and the and the performance, and we don't really know about kind of the heterogeneity of the CEOs into the value creation. And that's, I think, what we could call the economics literature began. And I think it began, in, you know, I, I would say it started with studies that look at change of CEOs. So let me go back to the jockey and the horse, because it's a very simple way to explain it. <laughs> if, if you want to, you know, the horse is the firm, the jockey is the CEO. If you want to figure out what's the value of the jockey, the first thing you can do, of course, is to to look at what happens when the jockey dies. You know, there's this race, the jockey falls off or something, and the new jockey jumps on the head. And that was the first kind of studies. They are looking at firms and suddenly the CEO dies. Suddenly the, there's an exogenous change in the CEO. Now, there's a very, very famous early study about that uh, by Johnson Johnson, which basically showed that when CEOs in American firms died, stock prices rose. And and that's kind of very, very, it's a very small example, but obviously a cynical economist kind of uh, like to use that as an example of entrenched CEOs. And, and they, you know, basically they said the CEOs create negative value because when they die, stock prices rise. And we were never too happy about that. First of all, it's a very small sample. And obviously it's a very rare event that people die. Then there's a second strand of the literature, which we sometimes call management in style. And if you take the jockey and the horse, what they looked at was basically instead of killing the jockey, you kill the horse. And so you look at jockeys that have different horses or you have CEOs that work in different companies. And then you look at 
you know, what are the persistent CEO effects? You know, what does the CEO do, which is persistent across companies? And then you allocate that as the CEO effects. So this became very famous with the Bertrand Chouard Managing in Style paper, uh, which created a lot of literature. And econometrically, you can say the first version where you build the jockey, there you have firm fixed effects. So you look at the same firm and then you look at variation in CEOs. In the Managing in Style, where you kill the firm, you have CEO fixed effects because you, and the very comes from the same CEO being in different companies. Now, again, you know, this is a fantastic contribution and obviously a paper which has been cited tremendously, but it has some problems. I mean, one of the problems, of course, is that it's all demand and supply. So, you know, the, the obvious case is, you know, if you're a firm which needs a turnaround, then you pick a specific CEO. Now, that CEO may be turnaround CEO in many firms. Turnaround CEO is good in many firms. Doesn't mean that if you take this turnaround CEO and put him in, in a random firm, that the person would be good at running that firm, right? So again, it's, it's kind of demand and supply and, and you don't really solve that. You don't get this exogenous variation um, and that's where we start. So what we were thinking when we started on this was really, if you have the jockey and the horse, you really want, you know, the ideal experiment you could do was you start out the jockey and the horse, then you separate them for a while and then you put them together in the end because then you, if you can do that, you know, if you can take a CEO, put him in a firm, get him stay in a firm, and then separate the firm and the CEO, and then put them together. Then you can measure what happens in the period where the CEO is away, and you compare them. The counterfactuals are really the same CEO and the same firm before and after. And that was kind of what, what drives our paper. Econometrically, again, you can then try to have CEO firm fixed effects, because you really look within the same match of the same CEO and the same firm over a time. Now, what we needed was something that separates the, the CEO and the firm, but put them together again. So we can't use devs as the dev study did, right? Because you don't get them back. And that kind of inspired us to use hospitalization or sickness of CEOs and say, you know, we have, we try to look at, you know, a world where the CEOs come into the firm and then exogenously they break their legs or they get some kind of disease. They have to go to the hospitals and stay away from the firm a while and then they come back. And here is our main idea is then if the CEO doesn't make any value, we shouldn't, as he goes away or she goes away for three or four months, you know, it shouldn't have any impact, right? So at, at least if a CEO makes value, then we should be able to observe in the firm that the CEO is gone. And that's kind of the starting point of what we're doing in this paper. Okay, so let me see whether I understood it. Both types of papers are essentially panels of firms and years. Yes. And in the earlier literature, they exploit the fact that CEOs move across firms. And that implies that in addition to having firms and year fixed effects, they can also introduce a CEO fixed effects and then they can see whether some CEOs are associated with particular decisions, you say turnaround or layoffs or, or whatever decisions that are being taken. You are mentioning that that literature, while obviously very innovative for the time, doesn't take into account the fact that the mobility of CEOs across firms cannot be considered as a random event. In particular, the mobility is determined by the requirements or the demand of the boards who appoint the CEO. Therefore, if somebody, for whatever reason, has developed a reputation in being a turnaround guy, he may be asked to join firms that anyway will have undertaken turnarounds. And that would imply that we are overestimating the turnaround style of that CEO. This is not something that is going to happen in your empirical methodology, because in your case, 
you have, again, firms and years, and there is no mobility of CEOs across firms, but instead the question of interest is what happens when we move from having that CEO in the firm to having no CEO in the firm as a result of the fact that the CEO has experienced a health shock and therefore has had to be hospitalized. As you said, we are now separating the horse and the jockey rather than substituting the jockey by a different jockey and taking the first jockey and moving it to a different horse. Obviously, critical here to your type of study is the fact that the separation of the jockey and the horse can be regarded as exogenous, an event that is not driven by demand. Is that the reason that you chose hospitalizations? I think hospitalization is very good for this reason. If it was the reason we chosen, I can't remember, honestly. But And let me explain why. Because you have completely right. The, the problem with the earlier literature, you can say, the problem with the, the managing style is that there's a demand and supply. It's an endogenous decision that change. The problem with the diff studies is A, a it's very, very rare. <laughs> and, and B, you know, when people die, there's chaos. I mean, what are, what is your counterfactuals, right? And what, what, what are you measuring it up against the chaos when people die? The difference in the long term between now and when a new CEO comes in, it's, it's hard to interpret. And, and therefore, obviously, it's crucial for our approach where we start out with the same CEO firm match and end with the same CEO firm match that the separation we do is exogenous. And uh, for that, uh, it's, it becomes really the quality of the data. And, and uh, what we are doing in, in this paper is really looking at the Danish registered data, which is extremely detailed. And, and we have, when we talk about firms and hospitalization, we have basically 7% firm CEO years where the CEO is hospitalized compared to 0.1% or 0.2% where the, the CEO dies. So this is the first advantages of the data. It's a much more frequent event than the previous death event and therefore you can rely on them more. Second, and that answers your question, is that we have very, very detailed information because we have all the medical records and, and all the data from the hospitals. So we know exactly what the diagnosis is. And for those who do research in diagnosis, that, that's a wonderful world because it's it's really fantastic developed all over, you know, with WHO and these things. Um, so you basically, whenever you go to hospital, you have not only one diagnosis, you have like the first, second and third diagnosis. And with help of these diagnoses, not only we know why people go in hospital, but we can also kind of look at if we are, if we are concerned that, you know, you can say some hospitalizations are not exogenous to the firm. We can actually pick out exogenous things, right? You know, you break your leg or not on you know on skiing holiday or something, right? I mean, it's, it's you can actually very specialized pick out diagnoses where everybody would agree this must be exogenous. So this is the way we get around this endogeneity of the event. And, and I think, and, you know, honestly, I think it's, it's a very clean way to do it because you can always know there are, there are hundreds of diagnoses and you can always find diagnoses where everybody agrees that this is unrelated to uh, firm performance or firm development in general. As I said earlier, the data set is a panel of firm and years. Uh, what is the dependent variable? When we talk about performance, the dependent variable is operating return over assets. Uh, so, okay. we, so we simply look at the, these are small firms, I should say. I think we have around 12,000, 13,000 firms and maybe have them for 10 years. So as you say, we have around 133,000 firm year observations in this firm. And obviously, when, when you have so detailed, it's, it's small firms. I mean, Denmark is a small country. And the good thing about this data is you have everything you need about, you know, 
health, about CEOs, about individuals. But I have to say the limitation here for all those who are used to do research on, on public traded firms in UK or US is the accounting data is not very rich. Um, and that's why we stay on very simple accounting measures like operating return OS. And the independent variable is the number of days that the CEO is hospitalized? Or? Yeah, so, so the main independent variable is uh, simply how many days you went to a hospital. And one of the obvious questions or concerns people may have is that in a, this is a public system we have in Denmark and you don't go a lot to hospital. I mean, people, the hospital stays in Denmark are relatively short. So going four or five days in hospital is serious. I used to tell the story about uh, we have three kids and when we had our first child, we were allowed to stay two nights or my wife was in the hospital. And when we had the second one, we were allowed to stay one night. And when we had the third one, we were sent home after two hours. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, so people don't stay months in hospital in, in a system like Denmark. And therefore, you know, people may ask, how can it be that such small, you know, three, four days can have an effect on yearly uh, performance? And I think it's important there to uh, understand that even if you're three days on hospital, it has a long impact on your ability to work. So one of the things we have in the paper is that we can correlate, not for CEOs, because they don't tell when they're absent, but for normal workers, there's actually a register for if they don't show up and work. And people who are like five days hospitalized typically have a period of almost a month where they are not on work. So it's important to say it's few days of hospitalization we're talking about, but it's actually an extended period where you work less or don't work at all. Okay, so you have that baseline empirical strategy, the, the panel that we said, profitability as dependent variable, numbers of days hospital as independent variable. What is the baseline empirical finding that, that you have in terms of magnitudes? Yeah, so our main or the first table on this, I think basically says that if the CEO goes to hospital uh, and stay in hospital more than five days, um, we, have a, we can measure a significant impact on this year's performance. So, you know, five to 10 days in hospital provide a drop in performance in the yearly data. And the economic magnitude is not trivial. I mean, in our, in our main specification, we show that, uh, that if you stay 10 days in hospital, the yearly performance drop around 7% um, of the result. So, the, and, and it's very robust and it's very significant across all the situations. Um, yeah, so we would say 10 days in hospital, 7% drop in performance. As you said earlier, things like breaking your leg, having some skiing accident, there are many illnesses that are unforeseen and, and somewhat random. There are, of course, other illnesses that can be more mental or stress-related or, or even heart attacks could be re the result rather than the cause of uh, poor performance. You mentioned there separating the illnesses by type. Is this the main evidence that you have to alleviate these residual concerns about the exogeneity of the hospitalization events? Yes, the variation in diagnosis, uh, picking out diagnoses is where we at least are convinced that this is not generated by the firm performance. That's the main tool we have to argue that this is uh, exogenous. So I think we look at, for instance, uh, cancer in, in specifically, or we look at uh, general diagnoses which, which really have to be random. Now, let me also emphasize that oh, if I may uh, come back to um, that, you know, it's still small days in hospitals, but the underlying argument is that they stay away.
weight or they have a reduced ability to work for a longer period. So some things you can say, you know, if, if five days in hospital costs 7% in performance, you know, most CEOs in Denmark still take three weeks of holiday every year. And and you could argue, you know, if, if five days cost 7%, what, you know, what does the holiday cost? And I think there are two important observations here. One is that we can look at, um, you know, there's an extended absenteeism from work and maybe even they show up and work, but their ability to work in a period is worse. And the other one, of course, is that this is unplanned in many cases. So in many of these cases, you go to hospital and you have no uh, conditionary plans for the organization. Whereas if, if you plan your holiday, you probably have a lot of condition planning that should reduce the cost of that. You seem to be concerned about justifying that the effects are not too large. My reading of the paper was, in fact, actually the opposite. It was that the effects in terms of magnitude were smaller than I would have predicted. And, and this is because the type of linking that you do between the number of days in the hospital and the number of sick days, I think is very informative here. I think that you have emphasized very well that the stay in the hospital is not the issue. The stay in the hospital is your proxy for a health shock that cannot be captured numerically, but it is the health shock itself that is reducing the ability of the CEO to perform their job properly. That will be one proxy. Another proxy could potentially be the number of sick days. You don't observe it and maybe there will be more endogeneity there or something, but that could be another proxy. In the paper, you show that linking to the Danish population, a 10-day hospitalization event broadly translates into 45 days absence from work, okay, which is equivalent to two months, you know, if we don't count the weekends and everything. So we are saying there that when the most important person in the company leaves for two months, the decline in profitability is 0.5 percentage points which is only 6% of the average profitability of the company. It depends what your prior is going into the project. If the question of the paper is whether CEOs matter, you have convinced me that the answer is yes. If the question of the paper is, do CEOs matter as much as Jordi expected? Then my instinct would be <laughs> to answer no to that because the numbers just don't seem very big. Yeah, I follow you completely here, yeah, but, but I think there's a few caveats. And one is that 10 days in hospital is very rare. I mean, even people who have uh, very serious disease are rarely 10 days in hospital. So if you look at the numbers in our paper, you know, most goes to hospital one or two days, uh, but the majority of those who stay longer, they stay three, four, five days. Um, so first of all, uh, you know, the absence is, is maybe a little lower. The other thing, which also we have to include is that, you know, if you listen to the CEO stories, I was sick, I was away from uh, the firm, you know, a morning, right? So, so these CEOs are not like normal workers. They show up and work. Now, one of our postulates or claims is that that may not be good, right? Because clearly you show up and work and, and, and you are not fit and, and you may make wrong decisions. Um, I think one of the reasons that we were a little bit concerned in discussing not selling this as much bigger effect was that we were actually confronted with, you know, real world cases by journalists around this. 
So I remember that, um, you know, Mask, uh, the biggest trading company, uh, shipping company, I think still in the world, right? Uh, they had a CEO who had cancer in, in that period, right? And he would be away for a long time. You know, journalists were starting to ask, uh, does that mean that they're bankrupt? The CEOs went away. Uh, so maybe that's one of the reasons that, that we were not trying to sell the results uh, too high at that, at that point. Um, I think also the, the next dimension is also that obviously there's heterogeneity in these results. And that's, I don't know, which should come later. Let me ask you about another test that you have that I found very interesting. You have a test to differentiate between what you call a pure zero effect, that is separating the horse from the jockey, as you were saying earlier, or alternatively, separating the horse from the jockey, but allowing the horse to do things to run faster. Hmm? So you have a test that, that uh, tries to disentangle whether the baseline findings that you have are the result of one or the other. Why does it matter whether it is one or the other and what is the test? Yes. What we're interested, of course, is ultimately to get this idea about how important is the CEO. And uh, one of the, the moderating factors of this could be that you do something, you, you, you do actions which temporary kind of say, you know, your CEO is away, but you can do actions so you don't really have these strong consequences. And so econometrically, we would say then the, the real impact would be even higher than we measure because the organization safeguard the situation. So if we were in a situation where the organization could not safeguard the situation, then we would have even more dramatic results. So that's what we ask them. And the most simple way to test that, that is to look at the actions that the firm do in leadership. Do they hire alternative leaders? Do, uh, do the board chairman, for since come down and, and become the CEO. Uh, and we find surprisingly little uh, effect on the organizational structure around this event. Uh, when that is said, we do find institutions which actually moderate the effect of the CEOs. Uh, so for instance, these are small firms and uh, many of them do not have a board. One of the things we can see is that the effect of the CEO uh, accident or the CEO going away is larger in firms where there's no board. And this is actually, I think, uh, a very good message because you know the literature can often have challenges in understanding what boards do and measuring the value of boards. But I think one of the real value of the board is actually that, that it can safeguard the CEO. Um, so obviously in a firm where there's no board, where there's no other leaders and the firm goes to hospital, uh, the firm is much more vulnerable. And this is one of the key roles, I think, of governance, good governance is to safeguard them. So for instance, it's very common that the, the chairman of the board become interim CEO in these cases if, if it's an extended absence uh, by the CEO. Okay, you have started to talk about some of the heterogeneity of the effects. What other uh, heterogeneity did you find interesting? I mean, so level one of this project was really to show that we believe there's a way to measure the causal impact of CEO, taking into account that it's a, it's a demand and supply, taking into account the, the endogeneity challenge. Now, the second level, of course, given that there's an effect, is to ask what kind of firms do the CEO matter more in, or what kind of firms do the CEO matter less. And we get some very clear results. You know, they're very natural. I wouldn't say they're very surprising in the center. Basically, in firms where you need leadership, uh, you have a higher cost of the leader being absent. And when I say when you need leadership, we look at firms, for instance, which are high growth firms. We look at firms which have higher innovation or at least research and development. And we look at family firms. And basically, we get that the cost of CEO absenteeism is higher when you are in a high growth 
firm when you are uh, doing much more innovation and uh, lower when you are in a family firm. And this is, I think, aligned with this idea that leaders matter more when you actually have a need for decision making, you know, fast growing, competitive environment. That's where you really should think the leader matters. And that's where the cost of the leader being away is higher. So one qualifier there will be, of course, that while the main empirical strategy may be identified, the heterogeneity is not identified. That is, it could be that there are other characteristics of these firms that are unobserved that are, for whatever reason, driving those higher effects. And I think that's very relevant for some of these. I don't, I'm not sure I would, you know, I think the family firm, for instance, is quite clear, uh, even though that these are not random CEOs. Uh, I would have to think more about that, I think. One thing that I want to go back to that we touched on at the beginning was about <clears throat> the difference in the type of question that you are answering in this paper relative to the earlier literature. So you were you were mentioning the comparison of a horse and a jockey. And the, I think that this is, this is a comparison in that we would expect that there are, you know, exactly wide differences in the abilities of jockeys, okay, because this is a very, a very hard job. Um, but let's imagine another type of driving. Okay, let's imagine not a Formula One driving uh, uh, race, but instead a regular trip in the countryside hmm, with a regular car. So clearly, if the trip is not very demanding and the car is a modern car, it is not going to matter very much at all who is driving the car. Above a certain level of proficiency, anybody can be good enough. They can do a good enough job. But of course, if we take a car that is in motion and we separate the car from the driver, then the car is going to crash. I am emphasizing this type of comparison because I think that your paper is directed to the second question, not to the first question. So therefore, with your type of strategy, it is very difficult to say whether different CEO, different individuals are equally good or not at managing firms. You can say that, yes, in a car, it is important that somebody is holding the wheel. But you cannot say that there are wide differences in the ability of individuals of driving of driving cars. I think that's a super interesting question. And it's actually one of the questions, you know, it's many years since we wrote the first one. And it's one of the questions that bothered me a long time in this project. And, and let me try to rephrase it a little bit. I mean, what we measure is, which is very clear, when you take away the CEO, it's not good for the, for the firm, right? But is it the position that somebody has to sit in the seat? You know, could you put in a monkey that just every day there's a guy who can answer things or push the bottoms? And if he's not there to push the bottoms, then, you know, something bad happens. Or is it actually the, the special ability of these guys? So in principle, you could put in anybody as a CEO. Is Steve Jobs different from, you know, me or you sitting and leading Apple? And our basic testing is not really separating these two questions. And, and this is, I think, A, something we have done a bit about, but also something which would be super interesting to do more research about in the future. So the, the thing we have done in the paper, and, and that comes back also to the to racing, right? I mean, any car would probably crash if you take away the CEO, right? But, but it's also clear that I can drive a normal car, but I, I probably not even make a Formula One car move, right? <laughs> so one of the things we did in the paper was we look at the personal characteristics of the CEO too. So if, if, if it's really just with the position, <clears throat> then personal characteristics of the CEO should not matter at all for the drop in performance when they go to hostel. 
And we do find in some suggestive evidence, I would say, that uh, CEOs with longer tenure or CEOs with um, better education, for instance, they seem to have a larger impact when they leave. So in that sense, we, we get close to saying that it's not only kind of the position that has to be filled out. It actually matters. Steve Jobs is different from, from you and me. Right? So this will be a lot to ask because your data, while, while being really extraordinary, is not unlimited. The type of uh, heterogeneity that you have mentioned in which we compare, say, better educated and worse educated CEOs is subject to the caveat that the education of, of the CEO may be revealing something about the firm that is unobserved or something. So in, in an ideal world, which we will probably never reach, but in an ideal world, you will want the same firm with uh, two different CEOs who have both had hospitalization events, that is... You interact the hospitalization with the fixed effect of the firm. And then on top of this, you put the interaction with the education of the CEO. That, that, will, that will bring you closer immediately. It obviously will be very hard. That would be nice. Okay, so one other thing that I wanted to mention is in terms of comparing the effect of the CEOs to the effect of other managers in the firm. So what exercise do you do there and what is your conclusion? That's a very good question. And, and let me go a little bit back very fast and say this is kind of also what our motivation for this whole literature is, you know, do top leaders matters? I mean, is it only that we have established that the CEO matters, but do all leaders matters? And this is uh, very easy also to link to the whole debate about why on earth we pay these CEOs, in particular in the US, sometimes in the UK, less in Denmark, I have to say, so much money, uh, the whole remuneration debate. And therefore, when we have established that the CEO matters, it's easy to, or it's natural to ask, are they unique? Are there other people in the organization which may be equally important um, than the CEO? And I think we do two exercises in the paper. We uh, look at our top managers. So these would typically be CFOs or uh, COOs, chief operating officers. Uh, that's the first exercise. And here it's kind of, uh, I don't know, we could say natural, or at least uh, it has the result that we find an effect of the managers, but it's not as large. I think on average, it's around the half the effect that we do of the CEOs in, in the paper. So the hierarchy seems to work in the sense that the top guy is the most valuable and those just below the, the top guy also are valuable uh, for the corporation. And it's, remember, it's a very hard measure, right? Even if, if the CFO goes to hospital five days, on average, we actually find an, an causal impact on the organization. Is this comparison larger or smaller than you were expecting? Because... When you say, are the CEOs unique? Well, they are in that their associated effect is larger than for other managers. But if you start from the premise that, well, they are the top of the pyramid and, and the answer from the paper is losing the CEO is equivalent to losing two senior managers. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I am not sure that I am surprised by this in one direction or the other, right? It will be, broadly speaking, what I would have expected. I, so first of all, let me say from our prior, before we even started, was probably that we would find no effects of the CEO, uh, simply because of kind of the tone of the academic corporate governance debate and you know the death papers that shows that they have very uh, negative values. 
But given that, and, and it's a very tough measure, right? We take them away, observable in five days, maybe longer, but it is a very tough test, right? So, so in that sense, uh, we found strong causal effects and we find half the effects of, of the uh, next level of managers. I think I would agree with you, um, given there's this effect, it's, it probably sounds pretty natural in the sense that most, if you look at the remuneration of top management, I think it's also more or less the same, right? That, that uh, you know, if you have one leader and, and two, one CFO and one COO, it's probably also the way they divide the, the remuneration that the top leader gets half of the money and, and the other two shares the money, the rest of the money. So I'm wondering whether these findings speak to the remuneration debate or not also. Let me go back to the analogy of the car. Let's imagine that we have a driver, a co-pilot. You know, a driver is sitting in a particular seat, so he cannot change in the middle of the drive. The co-pilot also. The co-pilot job is also important. He's maybe navigating or something, you know, reading the map or something, okay? If we were to kill, just for the sake of the argument, the driver in the middle of the, the, the drive, obviously the copilot cannot switch. The car will crash immediately. And if we were to kill the copilot, maybe there will be a smaller effect. But that doesn't specifically speak to the question as to whether these individuals themselves are worth the remuneration. What it tells us is that their jobs are very important, but not that they are what makes their jobs so valuable rather than the job being valuable yeah. because of them. And I think there's an extra dimension also that, that these are uh, unit, these three people, right? I mean, you know, most firms, it would be the CEO who have picked those two hours and therefore to some extent is also responsible for whatever value we can measure. I mean, you can say even if, you know, if the CEO is super, super good he picks the three right people around him and then he or she doesn't do anything else right? <laughs> and in our test she or he would have no value and they would have all the value but it's still the ceo who picks the team right uh, so, so i think you're completely right that, that it's hard to interpret the the implications of this as a group test if i may I, I can say a little bit about the other test which i think is interesting that we did was that we actually also looked at the value of people in the board and and here, the bottom line was that we couldn't find any impact of the firms when the boats were sent to hospital. And this may be a little bit your co-driver story. Because remember, I earlier said there was a, a positive effect of the board in the sense that when the CEO goes to hospital, the effect is smaller, smaller when we have a board. But when the board itself goes to hospital, there's no effect. Or when the chairman of the board goes to hospital. And I think this is coming back to that, that, that the board's role, when the board really has a role, that's when the firm is in crisis. And the firm is in crisis when the CEO is in hospital. But that means that, that six, 300 other days of the year, they don't have a lot of, of a, you know, big role to play, right? So if they go to hospital in normal days, we will find no effect of those guys. Well, I guess one way to think about this is that they may be also important, but because their decisions are not day-to-day, it is harder to identify econometrically in the same way that the disappearance of the CEO is, is easier to identify. Yeah, and it raises... I don't know if this is the right time, but but to me, it really have made me think about what I what I label, uh, and I don't think it's recognized, but I call it the key personal risk. I mean, one one of the main findings we, we find out of this kind of research project is that you know these people are key people, and uh, the effect of them going to a hospital means that you could say if there is an effect, you can almost claim that this is because corporate governance doesn't work. I mean, that all the checks and balances we put in place for the the helping people, the underlying. C- uh, CEOs 
they are not able to substitute the person. Right? And I think, you know, these results really tells us something about the importance of reducing key personal risk. Um, I give a lot of talks in family, for instance. And obviously, this key personal risk is very big in, in structures where you have no corporate governance, you know, where the board is just family members or uh, have no leadership experience. And, and it was actually to the extent that, uh, that McKinsey <laughs> read this paper and, and they were starting, you know, they came out and wanted to meet me and, and, you know, they saw a product, right? I mean, they basically saw a product that if, if the firm, you know, if, if 7% of the CEO years goes to hospital and that cost on average, um, you know, 5% of the operating return. You, you can almost say if, if you can come up with a product that reduces this kind of key personal risk, you can price it. Right? You, you can almost uh, price it from these kind of regressions. Uh, so that's another way to kind of interpret or, or to think about the implications of, of these kind of results. Morten, thank you very much. Thank you for coming to the program. Thank you so much. My guest today has been Morten Benetzer. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal, and this is the Visible Hand podcast. Please visit our website, thevisiblehand.uk, for links to the other papers that we discussed today. Introductory music and logo by Aitana Blanesiso, episode produced by Anders Fantan. 